Welcome to the Covenant Women Podcast with Dr. Adonica Howard-Brown, your on-demand source for Holy Ghost-filled preaching and teaching. You bring blessing everywhere you go. You bring freedom. You bring liberty. Out of your inmost being will flow rivers of living water. Be refreshed, encouraged, and strengthened as you hear the Word today. the non-spiritual man, the spiritual man, how the spiritual man can, he knows things, he, he or she. Um, verse 15 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, but the spiritual man tries all things, examines, investigates, inquires into questions and discerns all things, yet is himself to be put on trial and judged by no one. He can read the meaning of everything, but no one can properly discern or appraise or get an insight into him. A non-spiritual person can't read a spiritual person. They'll try to look into your heart, trying to know, and they, they won't be able to figure you out. They'll, you'll have them all confused. They just don't understand you because they're non-spiritual. But when you're spiritual, by spiritual I mean godly, not flaky, airy-fairy, full of yourself. I mean godly. When you're godly, when you're spiritual, when you've allowed God's Word to have preeminence in your life and you're submitted to the Holy Spirit and, and submitted to God's work in your life, that's a spiritual person, person who walks in the love of God. You can see things and you know things. I mean, my husband knows things. Women, you know, women read facial expressions. Our brains are just hardwired that way from birth. Women read facial expressions and body language better than men do. That's our gift. And so that's why women, I mean, husbands respect when your wife tells you something about somebody. You know, listen to her because she might be right, because she can see things, she can tell things, she can, you know, because she's reading facial expression. They talk call it woman's intuition, but a lot of that is just looking at someone's face and listening to their voice and picking something up. So, but there's... I, my husband, it's like he can see things that I miss about people. I won't even see something, and he'll, he'll know. He'll see right into them because his heart is pure in that area, and he'll look at someone, and he'll see something that I don't even see, and, and he'll pick up things. So when, when you know, he, he, we don't judge people after the flesh, but after the spirit, and you look into the heart of someone, and someone might be a very much a work in progress. I don't want to say a mess, <laughs> but very much a work in progress on the outside. But their heart's good. It's like those people I talked about, you know, in our church that God just told us, just love them and teach them the word. And they changed and they gave up doing all the stuff that, you know, that was killing them, killing their body, that was destroying the, the temple. And they ended up preaching and ministering and God just used them in, in a wonderful way because we just saw their heart. We saw they have a good heart, just love them and preach a word to them. So, and yet there were other people that acted all spiritual, and yet, and yet they had a bad attitude, and they were arrogant and prideful. And so when, when, when you've allowed God to do a work in you, you can see it in other people. When, when, God's, when God's touched you in, in the move of God, in revival, because, because of God, what God's done to me, because I've done my floor time, I can, I can many times see when God's on someone and that God's touching them. And I can also see when they're faking it. And we've been in some churches where we had people faking that they were getting touched by God, and my husband could see it, and the, the pastor couldn't see it. I, I, don't ask me how he couldn't see it, because to us it was like, like a, you know, a gong, a clanging cymbal, clang, 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 like, 
Because we learned a long time ago, don't judge things by what you see. Go with what your heart's telling you. So if you have peace in your heart, and we've had people do some very interesting things, but if our heart felt peaceful, if the anointing stayed the same or increased, we were like, oh well, leave it alone. But if somebody started doing something, even on the outside it looked fine, but our heart was grieved, or we started feeling the anointing leaving, that's when we go, lady, hold that right there. Or if Pastor Rodney would say to someone, I'd get rid of that if I were you. Because there's some things that people are doing that, that, you know, people started doing animal noises and then everybody said, oh, it's prophetic. No, it wasn't. It was demonic. It was demonic. And because they were the preacher's wife, it wasn't a demon. It was prophetic. But in the meantime, something needed to be cast, something was manifested and needed to be cast out of her. Because when the Holy Ghost starts moving, three things are going to happen. Number one, which we all hope for, is people are truly going to get a touch from the Holy Spirit. The fire of God's going to burn through them and all the junk's going to get burned out of them and they're going to come up a better person. Amen. Then you have people that, that just manifest in the flesh and put on a big act. And you know, you just got to teach them the Word of God. You just got to be gentle with them. Can't tell them, okay, hold that, calm down, just relax, just receive, stop trying so hard. You know, it's not about a manifestation. Open your heart, let God touch you, teach them the word. Give them a good foundation in the word. The most awesome moves of God we've ever had are at churches where the preacher preaches a solid word of God, consistent, and, and loves the Holy Ghost. The, some of the hardest meetings are in churches where, where they don't know what they believe. Their doctrine is inconsistent. They allow anybody to come in and preach any contradictory thing. One week they have a guy saying this, and next week they have another guy saying something different. And they allow any kind of wackadoodle thing, and people don't have a good foundation in the Word of God. And it's really hard to go in deeper to the things of God, because you've got all these people doing crazy stuff instead of yielding to the Holy Spirit. So you've got to kind of hold the reins and and, and, and keep it going. And the person who's in charge, yes, the Holy Spirit is ultimately responsible, but there's a person, there's always someone in charge of the meeting that's listening to, that should be this way, that's listening to the Holy Spirit and encouraging those things that are of God and just discouraging the things that are not. And there are times in a meeting where you can't shut one person down that's in the flesh because you don't want everybody to go, Ooh! because you want them to keep pressing in. So there's some things you've got to just... Oh, Jesus, help me. And then I'm sitting there saying, Holy Spirit, please shut them up, shut them up, shut them up. Please. <laughs> please, Holy Spirit. So everybody else can get touched. You know, because it really bugs me that if someone comes in and they, that it's the first time they've been in a meeting and some person's acting like an idiot and they think, God, oh, that's what we do. Amen. But if someone's getting touched, even if they look like an idiot, if it's really God, who gives a rip? And who cares? Because God's touching them. They're getting free. That's the most important thing. Amen. I mean, I never wanted to make an idiot of myself, but, you know, I've probably made an idiot of myself over and over, but I, I really couldn't give a rip because me and the Lord are having such a good time. I don't care what everybody else thinks. So it was my major breakthrough because I never wanted to be the person everybody was going, oh my goodness, about. Amen. Or make an exhibition of myself ever. So I had to learn, I had to lose my pride and just let God touch me. And then the third thing is you're going to have, when the fire of God is in the place, demons get very uncomfortable. And whereas in other situations, in other churches or other places, they could keep kind of quiet and hide. When the Spirit of God starts moving, they can't hide no more. And so, you know, they're going to start manifesting. It's nothing to get fearful over. You know, when Jesus was even 
a long way off from the demons. He was already rebuking them, and they were screaming out from that man of Gadara, you know, hey, Jesus, you know, if you come to torment us, you know, the demons would react against the presence of Jesus, and the way he handled them was, shut up and come out and don't hurt them. Amen. So we don't, that's why we never, if someone starts manifesting a demon, we pick them up and we carry them out. Why? Because we don't want to give attention to the devil. We don't, everybody stop, look at what the devil's doing. No, we're not going to do that. We're like, we're not giving you any attention, devil. Take him out, cast the devil out, get them free. Amen. So, so know that those things are going are are to take place. And don't get fearful, just, just deal with it. Just deal with whatever you need to deal with. Keep walking in love toward people. Love them. It's about people getting touched, about people getting free. So when you've had an encounter with God, when you've been touched, you can see in people. I've watched ministers that came to the meeting and, and Pastor Rodney laid hands on them and they, they acted like they were getting something. And I said, then I knew they're getting nothing. They're just, they're just trying to act like they're not cold and hard and don't know how to receive. Amen. And there's some people that feel like they, they don't feel anything, so they feel like they have to put something on so people will believe that their heart's open. Listen, who cares what somebody else believes about you? It's not about what somebody else believes. Other people can look at you and think you're not getting anything. God knows you are. Amen. So I tell people, you know, just because you didn't roll on the floor and laugh, cry, doesn't mean you didn't get anything in a meeting. If you just got hungrier for God, you got something. Amen. So it's a work in progress. When you gave birth to that baby, they weren't 18 the next day, thank God. The next day they were one day old. Amen. And the next day they were two, and they slowly, you fed them, you took care of them, and they grew. And so the same thing with our life in, in the Lord. In order to know God personally, we need to have a revelation of spiritual things, which comes only by the Word and only by the Spirit of God. We start off believing and accepting what God tells us, not because we understand it, but just because He said it. Out of respect for Him, we have faith in His Word that whatever He said, it's true, even if we can't figure it out, even if we don't understand it. When the Lord tells us to tithe, and to give, and we don't understand, we don't understand why we need to do that, but when we start to do it, we begin to understand, oh, I see, amen. You know, most of the time, our motivation is not very spiritual to do things, because a lot of times when God tells us, most of the time, for most of us, when God says, be humble, because he puts the, the little, you know, promise with it, he said, if you're proud, I'll bring you down, but if you humble, I'll exalt you. So we all think, well, I want to be exalted, so I'm going to humble myself. So we don't always start out with the purest of motives. It doesn't matter. At least we're being obedient. Amen. It's like your little kid. When your kids are little, they want to do everything you do. So a great time to teach them to clean the house is when they're two years old. Because when they're two, they just want to do everything you do. They're still wearing their diaper, and they're putting a diaper on their baby. They're still drinking a bottle, and they're giving a bottle to their baby. They want a broom. They want a vacuum. They want to do the dishes. They're not really old enough to do most of these things. But they want to do it because mom and dad are doing it. It looks like so much fun. So sometimes when you're a baby Christian, you know, you want to do something just because daddy's doing it, and you want to, you want to be, and you know, 
you don't do it really well and you mess it up and you might break a dish or you, you know, might make a bigger mess cleaning up than not. But you know what? He's there encouraging us just to do it because we need to learn to do it and it's the right thing to do. So we don't always, you know, we're messy. We're like messy babies. He loves us. He just thinks we're cute. Amen. I mean, you know, we don't mind cleaning the stinky end of the baby because we can kiss the sweetie end of the baby and it's so cute and we love that baby so we don't mind cleaning up behind it and you know being up in the middle of the night because it's worth the reward of that precious little baby amen so the lord he loves us and he's patient with us and so even if sometimes we start out doing something not exactly for noble purposes but if we're doing it out of obedience to the lord our hearts will begin to change and in the end we'll be doing it for the right reasons and you know we come to that place where we don't really care who gets the glory as long as the job gets done. And at that point, God can actually use us. <laughs> Amen. Because that's what it's about. And it's very sad to see the politics and the competition in ministry. It's not right. It's not godly. And it shouldn't be there. And it causes so much hurt and destruction and, and <clears throat> impedes what God's trying to do. Amen. You know, like I said, I don't think I finished saying what I was saying last time about the big chess game. I mean, God knows the end from the beginning, and we're just one little piece. And so that's why it's so important for us to find out from God what's our part. And it's important for us to do our part. And it's important for us, first of all, to not try and be, if you're a pawn, be a pawn. Don't try to be a knight. Just be who God's called you to be. Don't be dissatisfied with what you have. Be satisfied, because when you are, He can give you more. When you're faithful, He can give you more. Amen. He can trust you with more. So we need to understand God is the big picture. And so just obey. Just do. It's not about competition. It's not about competing. It's not trying to to be better than somebody. If somebody wants to be competitive or whatever, just say, well, if you want it, have it. You know, whatever you need to do. Just, you know, if you want it that badly. And let let us rather always be the one to to just do what's right, to have the good attitude. Because, you know, you might... Somebody might come in and, and destroy everything you've built. And you have to le- put it in God's hands and, and God will bless you, take you, use you, and, and you know, make up, make it up. Amen. So don't, so don't, again, always tell yourself, it's their can of worms, their can of worms. I'm going to keep my mouth shut, keep going. I'm not going to give up. I'm, I'm going I'm to finish this race. I'm going to stand before God and He's going to say, well done. You know, I mean, instead of, Instead, of, that, when you have that attitude, instead of getting mad at people, you'll actually feel sorry for them. Amen. Genuinely. So when you've spent time in the Word of God, allowed the Spirit of God to teach you, and your actions begin to line up with the truth you've received, then your mind and body become conformed to Him instead of the world and the devil. So we must receive God's Word and obey it and do it out of obedience and not feelings. Hebrews 5, verse 12 to 14. Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of, righteous, in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But solid food begins, belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. When you first are saved, your spirit is attuned to God, but your soul and your flesh are not. 
as you grow in God, even your soul, your senses, your, your mind, your will, and your emotions come in line with God's word and the things of the spirit. The more you put God's word in your heart, the more it governs your heart, the more when you're faced with a situation, God's word will rise up on the inside of you. You choose to do what God's word says and not what your flesh wants to do. And the more you are training, you're training your mouth, you're training your attitude, you're training yourself in the things of the spirit. And so you just know that things are right because they're right and not necessarily because you had to hear it from the, the Spirit of God or you, or you had to hear it from your own spirit. You have trained your senses to line up with the, God's Word and the things of the Spirit. Your soul era becomes trained in the things of God, knowing what's good and what isn't without needing to be prompted by your by your spirit. So how many of you know already there are things that you just know are right and wrong because you already, you've already received it from the Word, you've already received it from the Holy Spirit. So there's some choices you make in your life, there are some things that you always do and there are some things that you never do because you know it's right and you've been trained. You don't argue about it anymore, you, you, you know it's the right thing, you've, it's been proven, so you just do it out of obedience and because you've been trained. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 through 5. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. It's not talking about sinners here. It's talking about people who departed from the faith. There are going to be people, they are now, and you might even know them, who have been born again, have received the word of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, but what's happened is that they've seared their conscience because they would not allow the Lord to speak to them. When he spoke to them, they cut him off and they gave their flesh preeminence and they seared their conscience with a hot iron. Now, has anybody ever been burned? When you burn something, you end up with what? With scar tissue. And many times, like if you, especially if you've been very badly burned and it's been through a few layers, you will no longer have feeling there. The nerve endings will be, will be destroyed and deadened. You'll be numb. And so that's what happens when you refuse to listen to your conscience and you keep pushing it away and ignoring the Holy Spirit when he's dealing with you on things. You sear your conscience. And like I said the other day, don't think... If you don't listen to the Holy Spirit in your own personal life of how to conduct yourself, and if you're not submitted and obedient, because when he tells you, you've got to obey, not just hear him, but put it into action and obey whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to you, and you begin to sear that conscience, you have to know that you can no longer, if you don't hear the Holy Spirit about walking in the love of God, you're not going to hear the Holy Spirit when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And you're going to be listening to some other voice, if it's the voice of your imagination or the devil or something. And there have been people that have been mightily and truly used by the Holy Spirit who have given themselves over to a, a, a demon that manifested as an angel of light, pretending to be an angel of light. And there are many people that end up taking direction from a demonic spirit rather than the Holy Spirit, because they've seared their conscience. And the, de the devil's just telling them what they want to hear. 
And so there's a lot of people that even, you need to be careful because I know a lot of people have said, um, there have been ministers whose doctrine has been completely screwy. And they, they're, they're, they have, you know, they're, they're talking about spiritual things, but it's like ungodly. You know, that's not a godly spirit. That's, that's some kind of, you know, demon manifesting as an angel of light that they're talking to and getting their direction from. And, and you know, because they don't preach the word and everything they say is like, I can, I can take you to that scripture and show you that's wrong. Or I, can take you, I can take you to that scripture and show you that what they're saying is wrong. And then people go, but it must be God because there's miracles. Because people are getting healed. It must be God. But, you know, the Bible's full of examples of healings that took place that weren't from God or miracles that took place that weren't godly. Amen. So it's not signs and wonders and miracles. It's the fruit. Is that person preaching in line with the Word of God? Is their life lined up? with the Word of God. Because if your life is not lined up with the Word of God, you're going to start preach, You're going to start to preach stuff that's not in line with the Word of God. You're going to start twisting the Scripture and preaching all kinds of stuff that you shouldn't be preaching. And so you, we need to be very careful. Our conscience... You know what? It's not fun to look in the mirror of God's Word and see the blemishes and see the spots and see the, the mark and the dirt that's on us. It's not that much fun. You know, it's great when the Holy Spirit's going to work in your life and you've, you've been through it and you've sorted this thing out and you're like, whew, I'm doing good. I've straightened this thing out in my life and I'm walking great with God. And I'm not messing up in this area. And then he shows you something else. And you're like, oh, oh no, another thing I've got to deal with, another piece of flesh I've got to deal with. You know, it's going to be like that your whole life. You might as well just accept it. Don't come to the place where you're like, I'm done changing now. I've done enough changing. The Holy Spirit, I've been through the fire. I'm done now. I'm fine. Until Jesus comes, I'm just going to stay like this. If you're not going forward, you're going backwards. Just always remember, it, it, life is uphill. If you're not going forward, you're going backwards. So you've got to be constantly moving forward in God. You've got to be constantly pressing into His Word. You've got to be constantly pressing into His Holy Spirit. Because if you stand still, before you know it, you're going to be backslidden. Anything that's going, it, it's like, a, like the flow of water. It's, it's, you know, life is like going up against the current. Living in this present world in this world culture, how many of you know what I'm talking about? If you're a Christian, you're going against the stream. And it's harder to go. How many of you have ever been in a river or, or in the ocean when you're trying to go against the current? It's not easy. It can wear you out. It's tiring. You have to keep swimming. Because the moment you stop swimming, that thing just carries you downstream. So here we go. They say some will, in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods which God has created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer." So there's all kinds of crazy doctrines that are anti the Bible that are going to come out when people are, have seared their consciences and they are not yielded to the Holy Spirit. And there's whole denominations that preach this stuff. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And we won't name them here, but there's whole denominations that preach on 
you know, you can't marry and if you want to, you know, serve God and you, you can only eat certain food and you can only do certain things on certain days. That's done away with. All of that was types and shadows. That is done away with. It's about serving God from our heart. And, and the Bible says that, that marriage is honorable in all and the marriage bed is undefiled. Amen. And we're going to talk about food if we can get to it in a minute. Otherwise, we'll end up tomorrow. But anyhow. <laughs> Whoops, where did I go? Okay. So we don't want to shipwreck. We don't want to shipwreck our own faith. We don't want to end up in a mess. Let's look at another shipwreck. Let me just say this. The Holy Spirit, between the Holy Spirit and your own heart and your conscience, they're guiding us constantly convicting us of sin. It's kind of like a fire alarm. How many of you have ever heard a fire alarm? I've been in a hotel in the middle of the night when those things go off. They are designed so that you don't sleep through them. They are designed so that you can be in the deepest sleep and you will stand upright on your bed. <laughs> they are irritating. All you want to do is get away from that noise. And they do that on purpose so that you'll get out of the room and out of the hotel so you don't burn when the hotel burns, whether it's a false alarm or... We, we got kicked out of a hotel room. We had to leave the hotel room in the, in the freezing cold in Connecticut one time because they had a, a, a conference room downstairs and everybody was smoking in there and there were so many people smoking that they set the fire alarm off and so we had to be dragged out in our PJs with three little kids in the freezing cold. I was not amused. Anyway, <laughs> so, so like a fire alarm is irritating... Our, our spirit is going to irritate us. It's going to bug us until, and like, just like that fire alarm is going to keep going until the fire is out or you disconnect the alarm. You've got two choices. Put the fire out or disconnect the alarm. If our heart is peaceful, the Bible says we can have confidence before God. We already talked about that. First John 3.21. If our conscience is not bugging us, we have peace before God. If our conscience is seared, we're going to be vulnerable to doctrines of demons because that's kind of like disconnecting your fire alarm. It don't work no more. And it's not going to help you. They could, the place could be burning down. You could be dead already. That thing will still be off. So you could be believing and preaching total lies and deception and, and just doing all the stuff you shouldn't be. But if your conscience is gagged, you're going to continue on your path of dis on your path of destruction unchecked. You know, there's many scriptures that talk about God giving people over to a reprobate mind and just giving them over to sin. That God has, when people, um, and I'm talking about even people who've never actually accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, and they're, but they, can't, they don't even listen to their own conscience. And they just in there just doing the most awful, horrible things. And it says God just gives them over to that. And what has happened is they have disconnected their fire alarm. And they're not hearing anymore. So they can merrily go along and do the things they're doing and not feel bad about it because their fire alarm's disconnected. But when people still have it connected and it's still bugging them, they can eventually have to do something about it. So that's a good sign. If your conscience is bothering you, that's a good sign. If you, if you are open and, and sensitive to the Holy Spirit and it's not bothering you, then just walk with God. Keep doing what He's told you to do till He tells you to do something else. Amen. First Timothy 1, verse 18 to 20. 
1 Timothy 1, 18 to 20, this charge and admonition I commit in trust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with prophetic intimations which I formerly received concerning you, so that inspired and aided by them, you may wage the good warfare, holding fast to faith, that leaning of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence, and having a good, clear conscience. So two things. We need to completely lean on God. And we need to make sure we have a clear conscience. We need to deal with all the things in our, in our life, all the attitudes, all the things that the Holy Spirit's dealing, dealing with us on, so that we can have a, a good and a clear conscience. Even if we have to, you know, be repenting of something every single day, do whatever you need to do to walk with a good, clear conscience. Now, don't let it turn into a religious thing of repenting every day just because you feel like, oh, I've got to repent or God's going to squash me like a bug. No, just trust the Holy Spirit that he's going to show you. Say, Holy Spirit. Listen, Pastor Rodney and I, many years ago, we made this commitment. I believe it was 1984, the year Kelly was born. And we made this commitment to God. We said, God, when we get to heaven, if we stand before you and you tell us, you did not do what I told you to do. You did not finish your, your, your task and you messed up. We're going to say, God, it's your fault. That sounds awfully cheeky, doesn't it? I mean, who... How, do you, how dare you talk to God like that? But we added this. We said, because we give you permission to knock in on us. And we use those words. Knock in on us. Anytime we're stepping out of line and straighten us out. So we said, God, here we are. You, you keep us on track. You keep us straight. We'll obey you if you will just, if you'll speak and you keep us straight, we'll walk straight with you. And, and, and we've kept that in our heart and never let that go. Amen. So you need to make your own deal with God. You need to make your... And you need to... Don't make it if you don't mean it. Because God's going to take you literally. You might not take God at His word, but He's going to take you at yours. And you're going to have to explain to Him one day why you made a covenant with Him and you never kept it. So don't be too quick. Don't be glib. Don't just let stuff come out of your mouth. You pray about it, you mean it, you make your own deal with God. You don't have to use those exact words, you tell God whatever, but let it come out of your heart and you be committed to that. So, having a good clear conscience, verse 19 says, by rejecting and thrusting from them their consciences, some individuals have made a shipwreck of their faith. You don't want to shipwreck. You want to finish, you want to go over that tape you don't want to shipwreck. If you cut your conscience off, you won't listen to it. If you're stubborn, if you want to go after your flesh and, and do the things of your flesh. Listen, I, I mean, I know people that have made a commitment. They married somebody and they, they said, oh, we love them and we'll always, we always love them and it's God and we're going to do this. And then you know, a few years later, it's like, oh, it's not working out. I'm just going to divorce this one. No, you made a covenant commitment. You better stick with it. Amen. Until God releases you. Amen. If they're happy to live with you, you stick with it. If they're not happy and they walk away or they commit adultery or, they, or whatever else, the Bible says you're free. But the Bible says don't be in a hurry to get married. Don't be in a hurry not to. You don't, there's people, oh, Lord, help us. I'm just like, oh, hit me again. I'm still conscious. There's some people that... They live their life like the grass is always greener on the other side. And every choice they make, 
is because they're not happy where they are now and they, they look and they see, well, if I get married, I'll be happy. And they get married and they're miserable. And so they get divorced because they think they'll be happy. And then they're miserable. Then they marry someone else. Or, or, or they, go, they go pastor and then they, they think, oh, this is, this is not fun. This is hard work. So they give up that church and they think, well, I'll just go on the road. So they go traveling and then it doesn't work real well for them because they're out of the will of God and nobody wants them and they're not making it. So they, well, I'll go just do this and then I'll go do that. And, I'll go. and we can't follow the greener grass. You know, God gave us a word from Psalm 92 before he brought us from, from South Africa here. And he said, you know, I, I'm going to raise you up like the palm tree in the desert. And like the cedars of Lebanon. And what God was saying to us is, I'm going to take you into dry places and cause an oasis to spring forth. Not because we're so special, but because of the grace and the presence of God. And because of his word, because of his Holy Spirit. And he said, I'm going to set you before great men. And he said, um, so there were times where we were walking in dry places. And we were ministering to people who just, you know, it's really fun to minister to people who just sit sit looking at you like this. And I'd be like, oh, God, this is so painful. And he said, what did I tell you? I told you I'm taking you to dry places. But he said, trust me to bring an oasis forth. Amen. And you know what? Everybody always wants to preach in the churches where they can get the big offerings. And they always want to preach to the converted. And they always want to preach to the people who want to hear what they have to say. But you know what? We need to be prepared to preach in season and out of season. Amen. Sometimes it's wonderful, it's all in season, and everybody's receiving, everything's great, and then sometimes they don't want to hear what you have to say, but you've got to preach anyway. Amen. Many times the prophets of old, God called them to speak to Israel, and Israel didn't listen to them and even stoned some of them. But they still had to get that message, because when those people stand before God, they're going to be held accountable. Now, if you go and you preach and you do what God's telling you to do and those people don't receive it, it's not on your head. You just you go to the edge of town, shake the dust off your feet. We've done that. We just took our shoes off, clanged them together, shook the dust off and left town and left it up to them. And we went on with God and we you know, did our best not to walk in bitterness or unforgiveness or anything like that. And you know, after 10 years, those people blew themselves out the water. They lost everything that they had. And you know, we're still going. Not because we're so special, but we just submitted ourselves to God and said, you know, we just, we just did what we were supposed to do. They're accountable for whatever else that they do. They're can of worms again. Your conscience is your compass. You've got to listen to your conscience, pay attention to it, obey it. If you don't and you push it away, you violate it by willful disobedience. You're going to see your conscience and you're going to lose your way. If you reject the voice of your conscience, you will shipwreck your faith. Nobody plans to be a shipwreck. How many of you plan to end your life in a shipwreck? Nobody wants to do that. But you will if you sear your conscience. Your faith in God is based on your relationship with him through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you reject your conscience, you're going to shipwreck your relationship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our conscience knows and apprehends the will of God. It's designed to govern our lives. It is ever conscious of that which is morally good and that which is morally bad. This is from Vine's translation. It commends the good and condemns the bad, prompting us to do good and not bad. So you are responsible before God for the maintenance of your conscience and you are responsible to protect it intact and to listen to it at all times. 1 Timothy 1 
5 through 7. 1 Timothy 1, 5 through 7. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience and from sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say or the, nor the things which they affirm. So we need to love God and others from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. If you stray from this, you're going to end up uh, talking and, and just believing rubbish. And, um, th- you know, there's a lot of people that should not be in ministry because they're not there for the right motives. They're not there to be a blessing to anybody else. They're not there because they love people. They're not there out of pure motives. And, and I've seen a lot of people that, that their lives are not submitted to the Lord. They're not living in obedience. They, they, they've committed adultery. You know, they, they've left their wives. They've gone off and married somebody else. And then they, they want to be restored and then put back in the pulpit. And, you know, if I've, I fully believe that God can forgive and restore. Adultery is not the unpardonable sin, contrary to what the denominations the way the denominations have treated people, it's like adultery is the unpardonable sin. Well, I, I think God sees all sin exactly the same, and I think pride and arrogance is just as bad as adultery, because really pride, because it's the root. The root of that stuff is arrogance and pride and having no fear of God. So there are, there are things that can be forgiven, but there are some people that, that they, never, they never submitted to the Word of God. Everything they're doing is, is out of an impure motive, not because they love people, but to build their little kingdom, to, to have people adore them and look up to them and tell them how wonderful they are. And you can just see it in everything that they do. And they just want to be in the ministry because they don't want to go actually get a job and be accountable to someone. So they'd rather be on a pulpit manipulating people to give them money and having people love and adore them and tell them how wonderful they are. You know what? That's one thing. I mean, that's when I have to really deal with myself because I want to go in and give someone a piece of my mind and hopefully not the last piece that I have. But that makes me, that makes me so mad. But, you know, never do anything out of, you know, the Bible talks about how, you know, the gospels preach some, some of it's out of strife and competition. And, and, you know, they say, well, thank God it's preached anyway. But you know what? What's the fruit of that? So, so let's not ever be, be the people to preach out of strife and competition. Let's be the people to preach out of, you know, the pure heart Amen. And with, with a good conscience and with good motives to build the kingdom of God. Because if you if you um, just doing it for yourself, you, you're going to end up being a, um, a castle builder instead of a kingdom builder. Acts 24, verse 14 through 16 says, But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, so I worship the Lord of my fathers, Acts 24, 14 through 16, believing all things which are written in the law and the prophets, I have hope in God that they themselves also accept that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man. If we keep eternity in our sight and in our heart, if we always remember, I am going to give an account. I am going to stand before Jesus on that day. And no matter how much 
I say, I love him, I love him, I love him. Jesus said, don't tell me you love me and you don't do the things I do. Amen. If you love Jesus, you're going to submit to him. You're going to obey him. And so if I can always remember, I will give an account. It does not matter one bit what any human thinks about me or you. That's why when you're persecuted and criticized, if you care what they think, don't. It doesn't matter. What they think does not matter. They're the only one that's going to lose out. Only what God thinks matters. So I keep my heart pure. I keep my life right because I know I must stand before him. I must give an account. Discipline yourself. Discipline your carnal nature so that you can have a clear conscience toward God and man. We need to see ourselves differently. We are a new creation. We need to see ourselves as God sees us. Don't see yourself according to your, old, to your old nature. Unless you begin to see yourself as the new creature that you are, you will not begin to act like that new creature. You don't belong to the world. Your, your passport is not stamped with world. Your passport stamped with kingdom of God. And you belong to the kingdom of God. You might be living in this world, but your passport is stamped heaven. And you're a citizen of that country. And you represent the country of heaven. You represent the kingdom of God. You are a brand new creation. And you begin to act like a brand new creation. Not like the worm you are, you were before. Amen. Or the mess you were before. That's not who you are. You know, I, I was really stuck on, on astrology before I got saved. The first thing I'd ask someone is, when's your birthday? So I could get them all figured out, you know, and I had everybody pegged. And when I got born again, I had to, I had to totally let go of all that stuff. And I just, I was determined nobody is going to put me in a box because a lot of that stuff does. It tells you all good things, but it tells you a lot of bad things about yourself. And it's like, that's you. You're born on this day, and so you're stuck with that's who you are, you're always going to be a mess in this area. And so I'd actually had my own personal chart read, not just the horoscopes that are just general for everybody born in that month, for every you know, year that anybody's been you know, alive right now on the earth, but mine, my exact birthplace, my birth date, they took that and they pulled out this whole profile of me. And I took that stuff and I took all the positive stuff, wrote it down, that's fine, took all the negative stuff and I flipped it around to positive. And I confessed that over myself until I forgot what the guy even said to me. And I said, and so when people say to me, when's your birthday, what's your star sign? I say the bright and morning star because I am who he says I am. I'm not who some man says I am. I'm not who some demon says I am. I'm not who some planet in the sky says I am. I'm who Jesus says I am. Amen. And I have been things, done things. I, have, I am not the same person I was 30 years ago when I gave my life to the Lord. I am totally different. I am doing things I never saw myself do. I am changed on the inside. I am a different, I am not that person. I don't do the same things. I don't say the same things. I don't see the world in the same way. God has done a work in my life. So don't let anybody put you in a box and pigeonhole you and tell you, well, you this and you that, and you'll never be anything else. I'm who Jesus said I am. And I don't care what comes out of anybody else's mouth. I'm who Jesus says I am. So don't believe what the devil says about you. Don't believe what he speaks to your head. 
and what lies he tells you. You are who Jesus says you are. You can do what he says you can do. You are called. You are unique. You are special. You are precious. And you will do what he's called you to do. And it's, it's because it has nothing to do with you. And you know what? Because you know you're a mess in that area, you can be humble about it and know he gets all the glory. God has to get all the glory because you all know I can't do that. You all know that's not me. You all know no, I'm not capable of that. But he is, so we give him the honor and the glory. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me just have a look here because we've got a couple of minutes. And I have a long scripture to read next. <laughs> Maybe we'll just start it. Colossians 2, verse 1 through 23. Actually, maybe I'll read the whole, maybe you can read the whole thing, uh, read the whole thing, just, just write the whole thing down, just the, the whole chapter of Colossians. Write it down, and you need to read it before tomorrow. But I'm going to run down to verse 20. It's talking all about all kinds of things, and we might go back over it tomorrow. But if you have then died with Christ to material ways of looking at things and have escaped from the world's crude and elemental notions and teachings of externalism, and they, they, were, they were talking about, you know, all outside things, all the things you do outside, um, religious things that you do, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to rules and regulations such as do not handle this, do not taste that, do not even touch them? referring to things all of which perish, which being used. To do this is to follow human precepts and doctrines. Such practices have indeed the outward appearance that popularly passes for wisdom in promoting self-imposed rigor of devotion and delight in self-humiliation and severity of discipline on the body, but they are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh, the lower nature. Instead, they do not honor God but serve only to indulge the flesh.